Hey there, thanks for joining us for the latest podcast from Resound Church. We really believe that together we are better, and our heart is to reach, send, nurture, and disciple people as they become all that God has intended them to be. You can subscribe to our content on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or head over to our website, resound.church forward slash app, to grab our app, which will keep you up to date with everything going on. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thank you, Sarah. Hey, well, it's good to see you all here today. Obviously, word got out that I was preaching and nobody turned up. How do you think that makes me feel? There's no one to laugh at my sense of humour. I just could do this all by myself. So um, I'm glad that you've chosen to join with us today and it's my privilege to talk to you a little bit bit more about missions. And um, I want to start by congratulating you, church, on your contribution it seems funny, but um, I'm standing here and I keep going to look left and right at the congregation. All I can see is empty chairs. It's a weird feeling. But I want to congratulate you on your contribution over the last 12 months. Many people have given uh, faithfully, they've given sacrificially, they've given in faith, and that has made a significant difference. And I think uh, we exceeded our pledges by 13%, which is extraordinary. So 113% came in, which is really amazing. I want to say thank you for that. <laughs> this is a difficult time. In some ways, what we want to do is celebrate. We want to keep things bright and happy. But on the other hand, the reality is bright and happy isn't the truth when we talk about missions. It's not as easy as us simply giving finance. That doesn't make the difference. Uh, While it does help those that are out there on the field, whether that be in Indonesia or in Southeast Asia, whether that be even in Central Australia, finance definitely helps, but it doesn't make it easy. You know, think about Indonesia, in particular in Sumatra at Hope Village, Hope Church and, uh, and the school there. And many of you see the the smiling faces of the kids, you hear wonderful stories of transformation, but the reality is this, it has not come without a battle, a serious battle. Uh, Mike and Ann Hill, the founders, have gone through that battle. I know that I was uh, there with Mike some years, even before we bought the land that, uh, that the, the property now exists on. And there is all sorts of challenges, largest Muslim country in the world. And it's not a favourable thing in a Muslim country for a Christian development to take place, especially in the midst of the challenges around in the villages. And so uh, some of the things we don't talk a lot about are the the time that people tried to attack Mike, other times where the land has tried to be uh, stolen away from us, times where people came in and tried to take away the kids. We don't talk about those things. Um, they're not as palatable. They're not as enjoyable. And so when you give finance, um, while we appreciate all that you give, it doesn't make it easy. It makes it easier, but it doesn't remove the challenge of presenting the gospel in a, an adverse situation. In Indonesia, in Jakarta in particular, we've got a, a group of about 30 churches or so and they're, they're spread around the place, but headquartered in Jakarta. And in Jakarta in particular, uh, the leader, who sadly passed away just recently as a result of COVID, uh, the leader is a, was a civil engineer, a businessman who 
led a movement of churches and gave lots of his finance and time to building a church planting movement. His dream was to plant churches right across Indonesia and there's a team of people still there that are working towards that but we we often only talk about the highlights of those things. But the reality for that man's family is this. It was just a couple of years ago, his, uh, I think it was his eldest son, passed away. Couldn't find the reason for his illness. Um, and sadly, you know, he, he passed away, he was lost. And now that, that young boy's mum has lost a husband as well. And now we know that both of those deaths were as a result of sickness, but we also know that they've endured extraordinary hardship and difficulty to see the gospel presented in and around Jakarta. They've supported church plants right across Indonesia. There's a price that's being paid, and while we give finance, and that's fantastic, it doesn't make it easy, it just makes it easier for them. And I want you to think about that, because there is a price being paid. You know, in Southeast Asia, We often talk about a a movement of churches that is now planted in the tens of thousands, and it's an extraordinary story. But the other side of the story that we don't talk about quite as much is the cost or the price that's been paid by the people on the ground. Even now, you know, COVID-19 is ravaging through uh, that one nation in particular, taking life after life after life. And many of the people that we support are affected by that. Some family members, some workers, some people in churches. And and that's a terrible thing. But in addition to the challenge of the COVID-19 crisis that they're facing, there's persecution, there's court cases, there's false accusations, there's beatings. I remember one time I was at uh, a large celebration. There must have been 20,000 people there. and, And we completed the conference. We moved away from the conference um, you know, in a vehicle, we travelled some eight to ten hours away. And when we got to the next location that we were going to, we found out that some of our key leaders following the conference, a, a group had come in and beaten up the key leaders. When we caught up with them later in the week, uh, some of them had been to hospital and had their wounds attended to. And they were, strange as it may seem, they were counting it a privilege to have been beaten for the sake of the gospel. Of course, they need our finance to continue to do what they're doing. But there's a real price that's being paid. In our own nation, we've got our set of challenges. I want you to think for a moment of Prem and Lalita in Nepal. Nepal too is suffering as a result of the COVID-19 crisis, just in the same way that India is. And and, and do you know what Prem and Lalita are continuing to do? And I had an email just, just today from them. And they're telling us about how they're trying to get food and and give it to those that they know that are in need. They continue to press on with the, uh, the teaching and the training of church planters. They're supporting the planting of churches and even new buildings out in and around Nepal and and doing their very best. They've given up their own dream for the dream that God has given to them. And they're paying a price. And it's an honour, it's a privilege to be able to support them in the work that they're doing. In our own country here in Australia, and I think it was just last week that Simon said, you know, over the last seven decades, the church has been in decline in Australia. I know that on average, there are 200 uh, 200 churches planted every year. Sadly, 250 churches close every year in Australia, a net result of 50 down. 
It's an interesting challenge to see uh, Australia and, uh, and all that the people are doing here in this nation. We're a nation that's wealthy. We're a nation that's comfortable. And I know we've got our own challenges. We've got our own unique problems. But compared to many nations, we're doing well in a financial and prosperous uh, experience. But when it comes to preaching the gospel, when it comes to sharing the good news, we've got quite a challenge ahead of us. Australia is our mission field. And some of you are saying, yeah, but people are resistant to the gospel. I was with Mark McCrindle just a couple of nights ago. He runs McCrindle Research. And he was telling us that 52% of Australians still identify as Christian. Now, they don't all go to church, but the fact that they publicly indicate that they are Christian indicates that they are responsive to the gospel. They're willing to listen. And another statistic he came up with is, you know, one in three Australians is willing to listen to a presentation of the gospel. And you, you may say, well, that doesn't seem to be true. Perhaps it's not true because we haven't tried. Perhaps people are resistant because we think they're resistant rather than they're really resistant. These statistics uh, come from surveys that are conducted to try and find out the truth. And I want to encourage you, and as a nation, as much as it's, it's great for us to give finance, our real task is to preach the gospel so that people can know more about Jesus Christ. <clears throat> you know, last year, 2020, was a challenging year for us, and even today, you know, we're in another lockdown. Seven days of being locked up or locked down, whichever way you want to look at it. And for many of us, it's, it's an inconvenience, it's a frustration, uh, but for others, there's a significant price that's being paid as a result of that. Business owners, uh, big losses, you know. Perhaps there were people that were getting married this week and their weddings had to be cancelled. Reception centres, preparing, you know, for an influx of people and suddenly everything gets closed down again. There is a price that's being paid as a result of this crisis, if you like. But, you you know, as a result of 2020, there's been quite some analysis about how it's affected churches. Do you know about 40% of people have not returned to in-person services in churches in our country? In some cases, I know it's as high as 62%. Larger churches seem to have been impacted even more than uh, than medium-sized churches. And when you think of that, it says something. Something's going on. There's a shift. And Mark McCrindle, as he was talking, he he said what's happened is the culturally Christian people are dropping off and the core Christian people are staying the course. And he said that's a generalisation, but that's his estimation or his understanding of what he thinks is happening. But the reality is what we're experiencing in our own nation is is not dissimilar to what's happening in in the United States. The church isn't seeing the same number of people attending as it used to see. Now, there is uh, the benefit of some online services and things like that, and that's great. There's people to be won through through those avenues. But the real challenge is, is to win our nation for Christ in whatever form or way that we choose to go about it. I want to read to you today some passages of Scripture from Ephesians. These are the Apostle Paul's words. He's writing from jail, probably in Rome. Now, in Rome, the jail that he was in wasn't, 
quite as bad as some of the other jails. I mean, a jail in those times was a hole in the ground. You lived in the hole in the ground. Your friends gave you food as you lived in the hole in the ground. That was, that was a jail. Now, Paul's not in that circumstance as he's writing this book. It seems like he's in some sort of uh, unit or place where he's able to at least conduct himself normally. But he writes this letter from jail, and I want you to think about that as, as I read the words, because it does change the, our understanding of what it is that he's trying to say. Ephesians chapter 3, 14 to 19 from the New Living Translation says this. When I think of all this, now what he's saying is he's just talked about God's mysterious plan about how God saves people. Paul's pondering, he's in jail, and he says, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything on heaven and on earth. And I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will go down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. This is something that Paul, in the midst of his jail experience, is praying for people. He's praying for these Ephesians, if you like. Now, Ephesus was a, it was a wealthy place. It's our understanding that it was the second largest city in the Roman Empire, second only to Rome. It was the, the place where the temple for Diana or Artemis was. And as a result of the temple being there, it was a place lots of people travelled to and they bought trinkets there, if you like, little statues of Diana. It was a wealthy place, in some ways probably not dissimilar to our nation when it comes to prosperity. And it's important that you understand this because it, it says something about what Paul is writing. Because what he says in the first part of that passage is this. He says, I fall to my knees, pray to the Father, the creator of everything on heaven and on earth. In other words, it's not Diana, it's not Artemis. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources. Paul is making a point here to the Ephesians because they're, a, they're living in a prosperous place. And what he's saying is not only is God creator of heaven and earth, but he has resources that, uh, that will astound you, that will far exceed anything you've ever seen or experienced. Ephesus was a wealthy city. It was a, it was a place where people flocked in, spent their money, enjoyed good times, if I can put it that way. And Paul is making a point and he's saying, God wants to use his resources to resource you. But the resources that Paul is talking about are different to the resources the Ephesians would have been living in. Paul, as he's praying for them, he, he, he's, he's, it's really quite profound what he's saying. He's asking God from his endless supply to pass to you what you need to get the job done. 
He's praying, he's praying that somehow, some way, God would take a part of himself and take it from within himself and pour it out into you or into the Ephesians so that you can get the job done. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. Somehow, some way, I, I think what he's referring to is the power of the Holy Spirit. Just last week, you know, we celebrated Pentecost. Well, ultimately, what happened at Pentecost was the Holy Spirit was poured out on us and, and, and also filled us up. And the resources of God himself via the Holy Spirit now dwell within us. That's extraordinary. The second part that he prayed there was that we could be strong or empowered. He says uh, that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Now, strength is an interesting thing. And, you know, when we talk about strength, it's usually something that develops over time and the result of effort. If you become strong in the gym, it's because you've spent time in the gym and you've lifted weights. In other words, you've put in the effort. There's consistent exercise, the right nutrition. There's graduated weights and attention given to sleep and stress and everything else. But this isn't the sort of strength that Paul's talking about. Not the sort of strength that you build up yourself. You see, the sort of strength that Paul is talking about is strength that is derived from another. In other words, there's someone who can strengthen you. Think of Moses. As he was weary and his hands were dropping in the face of battle, two people come alongside, lifted up his hands. They strengthened him, if you like. It wasn't his effort that made the difference. It was the strength of the others that come alongside him. Paul in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 10 says this, that is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. In other words, Paul is saying, I rely on God to strengthen me when I'm weak. And I want to encourage you today because what Paul is praying is that you might be strengthened or empowered by what God has within himself. He wants to transfer it to you to make a difference for you. When we're empowered by God, we're no longer depending on the resources we have ourselves. There's a transfer, not only of strength, but of authority that takes place. Like Paul, we want to be able to say, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Paul goes on, he speaks about us moving to a place where we can trust Christ. He says this, he says, Uh, Then verse 17, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Now God wants to live within you. But the reality is this, his, uh, his, his inhabitation is limited by your trust. Trust is too often broken by silly speculations. The likelihood of Christ living within me or living within you is commensurate to that trust being maintained. The greater the trust, the greater the infilling, the stronger you become. But trust is a choice and it's also destroyed by choice. Someone can break your trust, but it's still your choice to withdraw trust. Trust in Christ is the key to getting stronger. 
And can I say this, you know, when there are things going on around about us that disappoint us, where we feel like God didn't come in at the point at which we wanted him to, it's our choice whether or not to remove trust. I've determined, God is sovereign, he rules the earth. And whatever the circumstance, I want to trust him nonetheless. I will not withdraw my trust in him no matter what happens. Why? Because of what he's already done for me. I may not understand everything that goes on around about me, but I'll choose to continue to trust in him. And as I choose to trust in him, he finds a a place to inhabit within me. And as he inhabits me, I get stronger and my trust increases. Trust is a choice you make. You can trust him or you can choose not to trust him. And Paul goes on and he says this, he says, that your roots would grow deep. It says this, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. I don't know if you understand much about what happens with a tree and roots. At home, we've got many trees and um, some of them are big gum trees. High winds come and what happens with high winds is those trees are buffeted by high winds and when they're buffeted by high winds, depending on the roots of those trees, they either stand or they fall. And we've had some massive trees come down and when they come down, they usually pull the roots out with them. And what's really surprising is how small the root ball is by comparison to the tree. And so the problem was not the tree or the trunk, but the roots. And often what happens with us is we go, we grow really big outside of the soil, but if our roots don't go down deep, then it's likely that we'll fall over at some point given adverse winds. And so is the problem the roots or is the problem the soil? You you see, roots want to grow, they want to grow naturally. The problem is not usually the roots, the problem is the soil in which the roots are planted. If, it, if, if it's difficult, if it's rocky, if the roots are somehow um, inhibited, uh, then what happens is they can't do what they're supposed to do and, then that, and that is support the weight of the tree. And you know, trust actually provides the soil for the roots of God's relationship with you to grow deep in. As you withdraw trust, you, you, you inhibit the roots that are growing. And what Paul is saying is he wants the the roots to grow deep. He wants your relationship with God to go deep. He wants your understanding of God to grow deep so that you'll be established and strong so that when difficult times come, you're able to stand. Just some thoughts about soil. Sometimes we've chosen the soil of skepticism. Sometimes we choose soil of disbelief. Sometimes we choose a soil that is based on our inadequacy or our unforgiveness or our disappointment. And yet what Paul is saying here is he wants your roots to grow deep in God's love. Another point that he makes here is he wants you to understand God's love. If you could completely comprehend the breadth, depth and height of God's love, if you knew how consistent and persistent God's love was, then you would be able to stand. Paul says this, he says, and may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. 
May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Can I challenge you to learn more about what it is to receive God's love? And of course, you can look up passages of Scripture, but to really understand God's love is one thing. To experience it is another. Just knowing it in our head is not enough. It needs to affect our heart. And so it needs to be more than just knowledge. It needs to be a relationship. When you know God's love, it enables you to stand like you'd be unable to stand otherwise. A little further on, Paul says that finally the goal is that you would be complete. Let me read that final passage and it says this. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. It's a strange thing to say. It's sort of like almost the completion of a life. Then you will be made complete. Uh, The King James Version would say, then you will be perfect. In other words, who you were supposed to be, you will attain. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. The world around us needs to see people who are complete. Not perfect in in that we've got everything together, but complete and content and full of joy. And some of you today are listening to this and you're saying, what's this got to do with missions? It's got everything to do with mission. Acts 1.8 speaks about how we'll be witnesses. And when, too often when we read that word witnesses, we think of someone who's going to knock on the door and say something about Christ. No, no, no. A witness is someone who is just able to relay what's happened to them. And my goal, my plan, my desire for you today is that you will allow God to do something profound in you that will move you from where you are to a place of completeness, to a place of perfection, to a place of joy, to a place of power, so that those around about you might seek you out as a witness of what God is able to do. John 10.10, a passage we all know well. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and that more abundantly. A complete life. We know that the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. And we need to increase our discernment and see accurately and see carefully what the enemy's trying to do in the world around about us. Because he's not here to make us happy, he's here to destroy us and to destroy everyone else in the process. There's a world we want to win. And while while it's admirable that we do it outside of our nation and to, and to help people do what they're doing in their nations, and we applaud them for the sacrifice they make. My challenge to you is this. We have a nation to win as well. We have people in our own city here to win as well. We have neighbours and friends and family that need to know Jesus Christ, that need to experience the fullness that Paul is speaking about here. It's about people's eternal destiny and there's a world that we're yet to win. We're going to throw to a video in just a couple of moments. But as we do this, you know, it's not a time to step back. The task of mission is not something we try to do. It's the outcome of the work of God within us. What, is, what God is doing within you ought to be allowed to come out. We're about to launch into something new a little later in the year 
And this video will give you some insight into what's about to take place. Hi, my name's Wayne and this is my wife Ruth. We're the pastors of Resound Church, Melbourne. I just want to take a few moments and talk to you about our mission. Our mission is to reach, send, nurture and disciple. You know, we operate out of our values, which we call grace. It's generosity, relational, authentic, compelling and encouraging. Our goal as a church is to touch this community. But it's not only this community that matters to us, it's all of the communities around us. You know, our history as a church, we've seen church plants in the past in Chelsea and in Berwick. Uh, Just last year, we started a new online meeting and uh, we're working to build that over the years that lie ahead. But we've got some exciting news for you today. We want to announce a new location in the southeastern suburbs, in particular in the Cardinia Council area. And we're looking to plant a church there, plant a new location, plant a new discipling community that will impact that city and the region around about it. We're so excited about this new location, you know, for Resound. And I know that we're going to see extraordinary things happen. Wayne and I are going to head it up and see a team come together. We can't always be there, but you know what? It's about the team that gather, that want to be involved, that want to reach out and see people's lives touched and changed. And so, you know, if you want to be a part, why don't you speak to us and get involved in this new venture? Yeah, we look forward to enjoying the journey together with you. Uh, some great, uh, great times in store for us. Uh, we'll be starting in September with some pop-up afternoon meetings. Look forward to talking to you about it soon. standing out the front of the Cadinia Council buildings. And in Cadinia itself, there are 120,000 people who live here and 40,000 households. That's extraordinary. And we're going to begin to launch something in this place. So get ready for what we're about to do because it's really, really going to be amazing. It's a fast-growing area with lots of new families, new houses, cats, dogs, fish, birds, and a whole lot of other things that we're not actually aiming for. But uh, we're looking forward to seeing God do something profound as we launch something new in this area. So what's it going to look like? Let's call it a discipling community. It'll be fellowship, worship, discipleship, ministry and mission. Uh, the church will be relational. Initially, that it'll have a very, very strong relationship focus. And we look forward to getting to know people, uh, building relationships, understanding their experiences in life. And the goal is that it will be a place for people to learn about God, learn about one another. So the outcome that we want to see is people's relationship with God to grow. We want them to enjoy life. We want them to enjoy what's happening around them. And we want to see people's lives changed. So I can't wait to be on this journey. Resound Church, we're going on it together. There's thousands of people in this area that are yet to know Christ. And uh, you can help us by partnering with us. Uh, Look forward to seeing the outcomes. Hey, so a discipling community? What on earth is a discipling community? It's a group of people that meet together primarily to worship God, to meet with one another, 
to learn more about following Christ, to exercise their ministry gift and to reach out to others. The format will be different in different places, but this is the first of many discipling communities we plan to be involved in planting. This is not something Ruth and I are doing. This is something Resound Church is doing. It's something you'll have an opportunity of getting involved in if you want to. And this is the first of quite a few that we plan to do over the coming years. Let's believe together that we can win our nation, starting in the area where we live. Touch people, see their lives transformed. Uh, You'll have more information coming soon and we'll give you an opportunity to share your interest if that's what you'd like to do. Have a great day. Hey, what a great message. Thanks for joining us here at Resound Church. We pray that you've been encouraged through the message and that you've grown just a little bit closer to God. While you're online, why don't you head over and give us a like on Facebook or Instagram or check out our website at resound.church. You can subscribe to our content on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or head over to our website resound.church forward slash app to grab our app, which will keep you up to date with everything going on. Well, don't forget next week, there'll be another amazing podcast here to listen to from Resound Church. We hope you join us then.